Hello, everyone. Welcome to the College Football Rundown. I'm Woj. And I'm Walt. Welcome to another exciting week. We get some more down teams in the top 25. I think we're up to 35, Wall, on the season, which is which is crazy. Historic numbers. Uh, but it's uh, it's been exciting. It's it's good for the fans, Wall. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, we got Wake Forest in the top 25 now, which actually <laughs> top 20. They're ranked 19. So I mean, you if you're Buffalo, if you're you know Western Michigan out there. Hey, this is your chance, baby. They're dropping like flies. Get yourself in there while the, while the getting's good, right, Woj? That's right. Clem, Clemson kept themselves in too. They they ended up winning while they beat Boston College. Oh, Woj, come on now. I talk about Western Michigan and Buffalo, that great game we have, and then you bring up Clemson, a mediocre <laughs> team like that. Come on. Hey, Boston College was undefeated when they did beat them, so I'll give Clemson that much, mm. but. On to the DraftKings League. Wall, you were the winner last week with 158.44 points. You had a little Sam Hartman in there, scored 33.76, and you kept going with the old study Bijan Robinson, Wall, <laughs> scoring 40.8. My boy Bijan, Woj. I just picked the best players, put them on my team, and that's how I win. That's my strategy. I, I mean, the dude's averaging 31.58 points through five games in the season, and, I, I mean, he's just been unstoppable. Texas is obviously – yeah, they're obviously riding his coattails and keeping it on the ground there. Um, but they're, yeah, I mean, that's awesome for picking him up. Uh, he's getting pricey, that's for sure. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later. But James 03 finished in second, myself finished in third. Uh, I promised you guys all last week I would talk about the season-long contests and how they're wrapping up so far. Uh, overall points, uh, and this is the the. So this is the first one. The overall points, uh, best eight of the eight weeks of the season. So your best eight overall points of the season. We're only through four weeks so far in our contest, but just as it sits right now, Wall, you're at 616.18 points. It's a pretty solid number. Uh, followed by Story, who's 599.42, and then followed by me, well, well back, a good ways back, at 468.52. So. Uh, props to you all. You're you're putting in some time here on on DraftKings. Front runner, whoa, front runner. You better catch yeah. up if you want to get there by the end of the year. You better give Sarkeesian and Bijan Robinson some of that uh, some of those koozies you got coming your way. <laughs> you got to get all of them, Woj. I got a lot of them after all my wins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, best average placement over eight weeks of the season, and we have uh, double ties. We got Kyle and Story one one three five at two. Average placement, followed by me and James 03 at four. Uh, so still pretty tight there. Anybody can win that one. Not necessarily the the overall point winner is going to win that one. So excited to got both of those contests going. This week it's going to be the Saturday 12-game slate. I uh, hope you guys can get in there and play it. It's going to be a good slate, uh, exciting. There's going to be a lot of uh, possibilities for some sleeper-wide receivers because there's some people hurt. And now that we've gotten through about four weeks of the season, we can kind of start seeing trends and see where people are going, see what teams are doing, which is always an exciting time for me because then I can kind of, it, it makes cash games a lot easier. Well, I can imagine what, when are you going to do those Friday sessions, grab a beer and watch the Woj talk about the uh, I, I, I'm all for it. I'm excited to do some. It's been uh, a hectic time for me. I just bought a house. So trying to get that worked out, but uh, as soon as we're settled in there, probably towards the end of this month, 
Uh, we'll start doing some of those Friday. I'm excited to get back in there and doing some DraftKings, having a beer with everybody and uh, chatting it up, seeing uh, what we can do with finding some sleepers on Friday night. Great news. People love it, Look. All right, let's talk a bit a little bit. We already talked a little bit about last week's games, uh, but let's talk some more about Georgia. While that, that D is dominating, they held number eight at the time, number eight, Arkansas, to zero points. They are dominating. Again, Mo, I brought this up, I think, last week, but they are the highest scoring, on average, fantasy player on my team. That is the Georgia defense. I mean, it's well-deserved, too, because, like you said, Arkansas is no slump this year. They're a good team. We talked about them, brought up last week about how they had a claim to, at the time, and we kind of prefaced this at the time until they played Georgia, they had a claim to say they're the best team in the SEC but, you know, then they ran up against Georgia. And when anybody runs up against Georgia this year, it's not going to be good for them, Woj. It's, it's, I'm going to quote a, a very wise college football man from earlier this season, and he, he called it stifling wall. And I think that was you. <laughs> stifling. Sounds like something I would say. Yeah, that's a Georgia D right there, Woj. That's, that's well said. That's the stifling D. That's what gets championships. So, I mean, this is the – they, they in my mind, should be number one right now above Bama. But one, two, what's the difference really at this point in the season? You know, they scored 32 against Arkansas, too. And the Georgia offense all season, ever since game one, has been beat up. Like, Anaya Smith isn't playing. JT Daniels isn't playing right now. Like, they're not all that healthy, but they're still getting wins and getting wins in a in a, a wow factor kind of way. Like, they are the best team in the nation. We're here to say it doesn't matter who's playing. We're going to win games. We also had Cincinnati, uh, who ended up topping Notre Dame 24-13, to kind of showed up to the big stage there finally for Cincy and, and beat Notre Dame, you know. Uh, that was a good win. They have a pretty easy schedule up until about SMU later this season, which will be a, a huge game for them if they're still undefeated by that time. But if they even get that win at SMU, Wall, do you think this is a playoff-bound team or possible playoff-bound team? I mean, in my opinion, should they be? No. I watched that Notre Dame game, Moch. Don't get me wrong. Cincinnati is a great team. Desmond Ritter, I mean, outstanding. Probably, I shouldn't say probably, might be the best quarterback in college football right now. But the problem with Cincinnati, as I saw in that Notre Dame game, is they're not going to be able to run the football on a good defense. And if they're not running the football, they're doing their deep, like, you remember Oklahoma, you know, back in the couple years ago all they do is pass over the top that's kind of what Cincinnati's got to rely on and in my mind that's not a playoff team this year they're not going to do that well I, I disagree I think they got a couple of tough games for them I might actually be fading Cincinnati when they play UCF I'll definitely eh, definitely is a strong word I'll probably be fading Cincinnati when they play Navy so they still got some wins to get obviously that BYU game you mentioned well SMU actually I should say game you mentioned that that's going to be a tough one for them. But I don't think they deserve, as it stands right now, to be in the playoffs. I don't think that their running game, their offensive line, is really good enough to compete with those top four teams. Yeah, I'll agree with you, and I'll agree with you. Desmond Ritter's amazing. But the thing that David makes Desmond Ritter amazing is that dual threat in that, that running game that helps him be able to spread out the field. And if he, if they can't do that, if they get up to against a good D like we just talked about Georgia and they can't do that, then I don't know how reliable Desmond Ritter is in the pocket passing downfield. I, I just don't – I don't think he can win a game doing that. I don't think Cincinnati can win a game doing that. So, I mean, Notre Dame, we've seen – they haven't been that good this year. They've been close games against teams that 
they shouldn't even have been close games against. So, yeah, it's a good win for them. It's a key win for them. But I, I think there's uh, there's some speculation there whether they should be in that top four or not, even if they were to go undefeated on the end of the season. But we'll see. They might change my mind. Uh, it might change your mind too. So we'll see. Yeah, they could know, watch. Yeah. yeah. And then what what is going on with the power gap in the SEC wall? Like Kentucky takes down Florida after Florida just played Bama tough. And I mean, I know Kentucky's not a terrible team. Their offense has improved drastically, but like what what is happening in the SEC? Is this just the power gap closing or is you know, is the SEC just in a jumbled mess at the moment? Well, I I mean it if you're going past one and two, then yeah, you're right. If you're not going past one and two, they're, they're as they should be. Alabama, Georgia are the two best teams in that conference. Anybody that wants to tell me they're not, you know, go ahead and tell me they're not. I'll tell you you're an idiot because they are. But you're right. Florida is definitely a team last week that I, I lost some money on. It was a really good week, but Florida was one of those losses. And it irks me because, you know, Florida's a better team than Kentucky. They've been playing better all year. And then, like you said, you know, they just like the SEC has been doing this year without those aside from those top two teams, Alabama and Georgia, they've just been losing games that they should win, which is abnormal, especially for the SEC. Yeah, it, it is. And I, that that's what makes it confusing for me. But, we'll, I mean, I guess time will tell to see if that power gap or creep has closed a little bit in these, these bottom or closer to the bottom teams that we would say have caught back up to these mid-tier teams. And then obviously, like you talked about, it's Bama and Georgia. That, that's a no-brainer. Those teams are just beyond everyone. But, yeah, it, it's a, I guess it's exciting to see that. But at the same time, it's just confusing and a head-scratcher when you, when you go to DFS and just betting lines and gambling in general. But uh, good for Kentucky. Beat a good Florida team. Uh, who showed up against Bama and uh, apparently didn't show up against Kentucky. Uh, how about Michigan? Michigan beating Wisconsin while Michigan keeps rolling the tables here. Michigan did beat Wisconsin. And, Woj, I have to say, they, they beat them quite handily. I mean, mm-hmm. there was really no point in that game. I'm sure you were you watching the whole game. Did you watch the whole game, Woj? I, I didn't watch the whole game, but I've seen all of the highlights. I watched uh, the second half of that game. And, uh, every time I watch Michigan, it just surprises me more and more because I, I we talked about on the episode last week how the they're not as one-dimensional as Wisconsin was, and I think that that's what would win them the game, whereas they could shut down Wisconsin's run. And, but even if even Wisconsin were to shut down Michigan's run, they they can pass the ball. They they can do things a pro offense would do, and I I think Hardball's got the the system over there right now. I think this is, this is it for hardball. Like this is his team that he's wanted for all of these years. And he's got it. Uh, they looked good. They looked good. They, they fit the bill as that pro style offense and they're doing really well with it. At no point in that game, Woj, at no point did I think that Michigan was going to lose that one, which makes me happy because you know, I had a lot of money on Michigan last week. So, you know, won it on the money line, won it on the spread, won it everywhere. So I'm real happy about it. But at no point did I think that, Michigan was going to lose that game. And if you were watching that game, like I did, the, watch the whole thing, You, the Michigan players knew it too, Woj. Well, they were over there on the sidelines doing jump around. I don't know if you saw that on the highlights, but they were over there on the sidelines doing jump around. Michigan players were jumping around more than anyone else in the stands, Woj. My, my, yeah. my brother, the mood man, Moody, he sent me a video. He was at the game. It's just a video of them jumping around on the sidelines, Woj. It was crazy. But, you know, the players themselves – 
they knew that whole game they were going to win. Michigan just knew it. They went into Wisconsin. They knew they were going to win. Great mentality to have. You know, there's one more game to talk about, Wall, and that's uh, the Oregon Ducks who beat the Big Ten, the whole Ohio State from the Big Ten, uh, and ended up losing to Stanford. And I, what happened there, Wall? <laughs> yeah, that was a rough game, Wall. I mean, they, they should have never been in that position. They got, they got hosed, I'll say, on a couple calls there at the end that let Stanford back in it, but it, they really never should have been in that position. Oregon, I think, is the better football team, but – they lost the game. You know, it puts college football as a whole, really, because Oregon beat Ohio State, puts college football in a big jumble because of it. But, yeah, they lost. Stanford beat them in overtimes. You know, I, I don't know if anybody listens to Feinbaum uh, on this channel, but if you do, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. You probably shouldn't because he's an idiot in my mind. That's my opinion, not not shared by the uh, the rundown nation or, or the – or this podcast. I'm not sure what Wall's opinion is on that, but uh, he talked about the Pac-12 being put out into the Pacific Ocean because no one cares about them and Cincinnati should be in and all this stuff. And I still don't think that's true. I still think Oregon's a good team. I still think there's some good teams in the Pac-12 and, and I still think they can make the playoffs. Um, it's just a matter of not losing these stupid games. And I think like you talked about, I mean, they shot themselves in the foot. There were a lot of penalties. There were a lot of close calls, but uh, I think Pac-12 is still good in getting better. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Wall? Oh, well, my thoughts are Feinbaum is an idiot, Will, so you can speak for me in that case. <laughs> the podcast does think that Feinbaum is an idiot because it, he just speaks to get headlines. That's the only reason he speaks, and it's, it's disappointing, but it's the way it is. As far as the Pac-12, I think they have recruiting problems. I think that's why they're not doing great. You know, they get one or two top players, but the, as far as, you know – getting those offensive linemen, you know, those secondary players. They just – they don't get those recruits, and it makes it tough for them to win. Also, they schedule these games. Like, I don't even watch two or three of the Pac-12 games, you know, on a week, and I watch a lot of football, but I can't because it's too late. So being on the West Coast, I think it's kind of a make it of their own where they schedule these games to be late on the West Coast. On the East Coast, you're talking about a 1 a.m. start, you know, a midnight start. So that doesn't help them either. I don't think they should be put in the Pacific Ocean mode. Did he say Pacific, I'm assuming, or did he say Atlantic? I didn't catch that part. Uh, you said Pacific Ocean. Oh, okay. So he's not making them go too far, I guess. But still, I don't think they should be pushed out there. I think that, you know, they just need to schedule games during the afternoons maybe. And then obviously keep scheduling those Oregon-Ohio State games. Those are the ones that get you notoriety. I think they're a good conference. I definitely don't think they're one of the top three, though. All right, let's move on to some upcoming games. Exciting week. We got a, a shootout here. We got Virginia, who's 3-2, and two, at Louisville, 3-2. and two. Uh, Big uh, ACC game on ACC Network at 2 p.m., Well, This one really surprised me, Walsh. Virginia plus 2.5, plus 3, depending where you're looking. Over under a 69.5, which kind of seems in line. Virginia plus 115 on the money line. I wish it wasn't on the ACC Network because I, I really want to watch this game, Walsh. I'm not a big Louisville fan, but I am a big Virginia fan this year. So we'll see what comes of it. I bet you got a couple of players in this one because that's pretty high over under 69 and a half. Well, <laughs> it is. And it's just one of those games where well, let's talk about probably the best fantasy DFS wise quarterback in college football right now. And Malik Cunningham from Louisville, he's at 9,700. He's not even the top. And we'll, we'll talk about the top a little bit later in this episode. We'll give you a I'm, I'm guessing most people could know who that is, but Malik Cunningham is going to lick his chops at this game. 
In five games he's played this season, he's had at least two touchdowns in all of them. Every single one. Virginia's giving up amazing amounts of rushing yards, amazing amounts of touchdowns. So let's just go over some stats here. Giving up two passing touchdowns as well as 1.6 rushing on the ground. Letting opponents rack up 194 yards a game on the ground and 220 in the air. That, that's like Malik Cunningham paradise right there. That's like if he's dreaming, that's like his happy place. So this is uh, this is a great game for Malik Cunningham. I know he's a very pricey target here, but he's set to have a field day against Virginia. And then on the other side of this, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC in Brennan Armstrong. Uh, he's 9,200. He's 500 cheaper than than Cunningham. So I, he's not a dual threat quarterback, but he he throws 44.8 passes per game, and that that's a lot. That's along the lines of Matt Carroll. Uh, he hits 400 plus yards a game in three of the five games this season. He had a 554 yard game against UNC. Holy moly, that's a lot of yards, but. Uh, Louisville's given up 262 in the air and allowing 1.6 TDs so far this season in the air. So it could be a good game for Armstrong, but I'm looking at Cunningham and I'm licking my chops. I know Virginia probably could win this game. That's a pretty good out, outlet for him right there. But Cunningham is just going, this this score could just skyrocket with him. A um, couple people to think about other than Cunningham though on Virginia is some receivers. So Billy Kemp, uh, who is 6,500, and Devontae Wicks, who's 7,000. Uh, Wicks is the better playmaker, averaging 13.4 yards per target. When Kemp gets more targets uh, and is producing more grabs overall, Wicks has more TDs, and he's at least a TD in the last four games, which is good. That's why his price tag is a little higher. I mean, in a perfect world, Wall, I, I would take Cunningham plus both Virginia wideouts, both of them. But that only leaves us with 5,360 average salary for the rest of our, our lineup. So it might get a little tougher there if you do that. But I don't think it would be – it would be a good play in a tournament and possibly even a cash game, or at least Cunningham and one of those guys, maybe Billy Kemp, uh, just because this game's going to score a lot of points, and it just it's set up for that. I mean, both defenses haven't done well against each other's strong points, and – uh, I'm excited to watch this. I'm excited to bet some D DFS. I'm excited to win our DraftKings League for the first time this season well, <laughs> this weekend. And this game's going to do a lot with that, I think. Um, but let's move on. Well, there's more exciting games that are going to happen. And probably the most exciting game of the weekend is the number four Penn State Nittany Lions, who are 5-0 at, at Connect Stadium. And the number three Iowa Hawkeyes, who are 5-0, 3 p.m. on Fox Wall. Big game, Woj. Biggest game of the year by far. Biggest game of the year possibly going forward. We'll see. Iowa minus one and a half. That line was at minus two and a half. As I would have expected, money's coming in on Penn State. Iowa is not a bet-friendly team. They don't get a lot of action, Woj, other than when I lay on them. Over under 40 and a half. Penn State plus 105 right now as it sits. We might get close to a pick -em game in this, which... Oh, baby, I bet you there'd be some Iowa fans licking their chops at a pick them in this one, huh, Woj? How much I had, let's see, I have uh, about zero seconds slated for DFS in this game. 
<laughs> That's about right, Wall. And, and it's not to say that both of these teams haven't done well in DFS. It's just both of these defenses are good, and they're both playing each other. It's going to be a tough game for DFS. So you're going to have to really pick them if you want to go with some guys in this game. But, yeah, I'm going to avoid it like the plague, Wall. Makes sense, Woj. I mean, there's, like you said, there's two good defenses. Penn State shut out Indiana last week, Woj. They, they, they shut them out. They, there was no question about it either. They they played good defense. Plus, man, Dotson, he scares me, Woj. If you're an <laughs> Iowa you know, fan, you're you're not wanting Dotson to be on the field against your defense. I mean, don't get me wrong. Hankins and Moss, two great cornerbacks. The problem we're going to have here, Iowa is, we'll have here, Woj, I think. I think they're going to have to put Moss on Dotson. And because Hankins is good in his own right, he's just a little smaller. Moss is a little bigger. But what happens when you have to put an individual player such as Moss on him in a cover two defense like the Iowa Hawkeyes play, you kind of tip the quarterback to what you're doing. So watch Penn State motion Dotson a lot. That'll force Moss to follow Dotson. That kind of is going to tell a veteran quarterback Clifford back there, what coverage I was in. And that, that gives me a little bit of scare in this game mode. It gives me a little bit of hesitation about having such a great defense. If they're able to do that and pick apart our defense by knowing what's coming, it's a little scary to me. Well, it's, it's, so I'm our, I'm a little salty. So th- there's no game day for this game. It's at the Red River rivalry, uh, Oklahoma, Texas. We're going to be on Fox. It's the big noon kickoff game at 3 p.m. And all I think in my head, whenever we're on Fox in these big games, I I think back to that Big Ten championship game against Michigan State about, I think, what was that, five years ago now, Wal? When all I heard Gus Johnson say was, Hayward, Hayward, Hayward going down to the... I, I couldn't, I can't handle it. If he says Dotson like that, which he could, I'm going to start puking wall. I'm going to turn the TV off. I mean, I love Gus Johnson to death. He's a great announcer. I love him, but I, I don't know if I can handle that. And just, it adds to the salt that this isn't a game day game. And I don't have my Herb Street there to tell me the Iowa Hawkeyes are a great team and they're going to win this game. Well, I'll be completely honest with you. Wood. I'm really not happy about ESPN in this. Obviously we know that big noon kickoff, they have the game. Fox has the game. So big noon kickoff is going to be there. But ESPN game day is missing a big opportunity here, man. You could have big noon kickoff and game day at this game, and they could all shed light on the greatest tradition in college football. Which, what is the greatest tradition in college football if our fans don't know? It's the wave, Wall. The wave it is. is the greatest it's, tradition. And it's it's a misstep by ESPN. They're owned by Disney. You know, who's Disney's? You know, who, who are their customers? Kids. What a great way to shine light on it. Instead, ESPN picks the revenue again. They're not going to go there because it's a Fox game. Big noon kickoffs is going to be there. So they're going out there to the Red River rivalry to watch two teams, two much lesser teams play each other. It's really a misstep. It's disappointing. It's disheartening. It makes me angry. I will not be watching game day this week for that reason specifically. I'm going to tweet this episode of Gus Johnson, and I, I hope he's listening. But I, I really hope that he just doesn't blow up Dotson like he did Connor Hayward years ago. Uh, uh, we'll just if if Dotson's doing good, just just keep it a little calmer. We don't have to Dotson into the end zone every single five seconds, okay? We'll just just relax a little bit. But yeah, the 
the Iowa defense and secondary is going to have to work on dots, and that's going to be a tough task. But I got some stats here, Wall. I got some good stats, and I, I just just for the fans out there, Penn State's allowing 12 points per game. Iowa's allowing 11.6. Penn State's allowing .4 TDs in the air. Iowa's allowing one. Iowa's allowed .4 TDs in the ground, while Penn State's given up .8. This is a tight game, Wall, like we talked about defense. That's why that game's at 40.5, Wall. Yeah, that's a low. That's an NFL over-under right there, and a low one at that. And it makes sense when you read the stats and you watch the teams play it. It makes sense. I mean, I, I wouldn't bet you over on this one, Woj, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, some cool other cool stats here. This is the first matchup featuring a pair of top five teams in the Big Ten without including Ohio State or Michigan since 1962. And then this is also the first meeting of top five teams in Connect Stadium since 1985. And that meeting wall was Michigan, who was number two, coming to Connect to play our Hawkeyes, who was number one at the time. Uh, and Iowa won that game 12 to 10 wall. I'm happy we beat Michigan. Real happy, but I'll be a lot happier if we beat Penn State this week. Really, Woj, what, what I'm hearing you saying is this is a two bags of ruffles kind of game, right? Oh, at least two bags of ruffles. Get those extra crunchy ruffles too, Wall. I will. I will. <laughs> All right. It's not the only game of the weekend. We got some more, even though that's definitely going to be the most exciting. We got number 13, Arkansas, who's 4-1, and one, just lost that blowout game, put up the goose egg against Georgia last week. At number 17, Mississippi, who just played Alabama last week, uh, th- who's 3-1, and one, 11 a.m. on ESPN, Wall. Yep, five points. Arkansas is getting over under 67. Arkansas plus 180. Obviously, this line would be a lot different if Arkansas had pulled off that upset against Alabama or against Georgia. Excuse me. It did not happen. So we have Arkansas getting five. And you know what? I I really like missing this one. I like how many points they're probably going to score against Arkansas especially a deflated Arkansas team that had such high hopes last week. I mean, those players thought they were going to beat Georgia. Everyone else in the nation knew it wasn't going to happen, but those players thought they were going to beat Georgia. They lose to them. Now their SEC chances are really low, if any. So, you know, they're going to be down. This Mississippi team, we we know they put up points, Woj. We got some DK players in this one. Oh, we got some DK players. But here here's a different – here's a cool stat. Talking about defenses – Arkansas has given up 0.2 TDs in the air on average this year. That's only one TD so far this year they've given up through the air. And that was against Rice in their first game on a 41-yard pass play. Now, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying Mississippi and Matt Carroll aren't going to score TDs because they're going to score TDs in this game. That stat's not going to hold for very much longer, Wall. But uh, Matt Carroll is the most expensive quarterback in the slate, and if there was ever a week to fade him, I think this is the week. Uh, he's 10,000 right now, and I just don't know. I, I just don't know. I, I think Mississippi. I think you're right. Mississippi wins this game. I think it 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 might be closer than some people expect because of that defensive number. I just don't know what to think about Arkansas yet, especially after that goose egg last week against Georgia. I know Georgia's a good team, but I mean, putting up a goose egg as a number eight ranked team that that's just unacceptable to me. Um, thing about it is, is Matt Carroll can use his legs though he doesn't have to use that gun and he could score 50 plus points i mean it's just one of those things that matt carroll can do he's one of the best players in the country so uh, i mean if the thing about it is in this game which i like is if you're in for a cheap and steady option at running back 
there are options on Mississippi State. Yeah, Mississippi, not Mississippi State, excuse me, Old Miss. There are options on Old Miss. Henry Parrish and Snoop Connor. Uh, they're the number two and number three running backs in the team, but they're getting about the same carries, same percentage of targets. Parrish is getting a little bit more. He's at 4,800 this week. Connor's at 40 or 4,200 this week. Uh, Parrish is sitting at 20% of the carries and 7.6 of the targets, and he's gotten double digits in the last three games so far on DK. So, I mean, Parrish is a good steady option there, especially at 4,800 in a game that he might not be able to, Matt Carroll might not be able to air it out all the way against, uh, you know, into the Dramonds or the, the Sanders type guys. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about them next. You know, Jonathan Mingo's hurt wall. I mean, that's a huge blow to that secondary. Uh, and we'll see what happens. He was out against Alabama. They spread the ball out a little bit more. Uh, Jackson got some action here. Jaden Jackson. Uh, he's only 3,600. That would be a risky play this week if you play him, but Mingo is still hurt, so it might be a possibility. He shared 18% of the targets against the Alabama game with Sanders, who's at 5,500, and then Drummond is at 7,700, who's by far and best their their best wide receiver and their best option to score some touchdowns. Uh, but there's another interesting play on the other side of this in Arkansas wall because we know Mississippi is not a very good defense. They're, they're going to give up points. It's not the way they play. Jalon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas, is only 6,300. He's obviously coming off that poor performance against Georgia, but he's getting 38% of the targets wall. Well, that's a lot of percent of the targets on any team in the country. I don't care who you are, but 38%. So he is their wide receiver. Uh, he's had big games like 33.1 against Texas A&M, poor games, the 8.7 versus Texas and 4.0 versus Georgia. But it's one of those risky plays in a tournament where it could work out if Arkansas ends up winning this game or it could be terrible. Uh, but he is getting targets. That's the good thing. Uh, it's just the Arkansas offense just doesn't pass it that much. They don't get they don't get that many plays. They're not a play per, uh, you know, a lot of high PPR game uh, where they're getting a lot of plays per game, uh, whereas Mississippi is. So uh, it's your option. I would take some of the Mississippi receivers, is, but I would just think I'd fade on Matt Carroll, at least if I was trying to get into this game on some DraftKings stuff. Well, do you know what I like? I like how probably the past few years we hadn't really talked much about Mississippi, Mississippi State for that matter. You know, and now this year, we got Mr. Mike Leach over there at Mississippi State. We got Mr. Lane Kiffin coming in over at Mississippi. And who are we talking about week in and week out? We're talking about Mississippi, Mississippi State. I just find it fascinating how good coaches, you know, make good teams. Those are two good coaches right there. And that's one of the reasons that we're talking about, you know, these two teams this year, because they have great coaches now. Mississippi specifically with Lane Kiffin, I do worry. You kind of mentioned about, you know, how many plays you're getting off, things like that, how fast you're going. I do worry Mississippi goes a little too fast. I don't see a team like that really ever making the national championship. So I do think they need to settle down a little bit. I think Mississippi State's kind of the same way. They need to settle down a little bit, control that clock, a little bit more game control, which I know people like Mr. Story over there, they won't be happy hearing me say that. But if you can control the clock, you can control the game. I think when you go a little too much air rate, it hurts your ability to do that. You know, now to stress on the point with social media being as big as it is nowadays, Wall, the Lane Kiffin and Mike Leaches of the world are reaching a larger audience. 
I mean, kids are seeing this and seeing Mike Leach. If you go around and just ask people who's some college football coaches, I bet Nick Saban's obviously number one in all. Everyone, a lot of people know Nick Saban, but I bet there's a lot of people that know Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, and they don't come from the necessarily those playoff teams, right? Well, it's because of how they act on the field who they've come from, where they've come from, and how high power their offenses are. If I'm an up-and-coming quarterback or just an up-and-coming football player on offense, where am I looking to? I'm looking at those teams. I'm looking at those teams, and I see those coaches. Those people want to play for those coaches. So I think they bring good players and recruiting along with them, even though they necessarily might not make the playoffs. They bring some good people with them while. I agree. That's a good point you make, Wojny. Kind of speaks to Pac-12. Uh, Mike Leach, you know, he was over there at the Pac-12 before Washington State. It was always, you know, a great quarterback over there in Washington State for the point that you just referenced. They want to play for Mike Leach. You know, now he's out of there. He's over in the SEC. He's bringing those recruits over with him, most likely. So that, that's a great point you bring up there, Wojny. All right, let's talk about the Red River rivalry. We got Oklahoma. It's it's hard to say, Wall. I, I know I've it's the Red River River rivalry. I mean, it's a, just a tough word to say. I want to hear some Southern accents say that. Uh, someone tweet us in one of those if you can. If you're if you got down from the South and you got that accent. But uh, number six, Oklahoma, five and zero at Texas this year. Number twenty one, uh, who's four and one. Eleven a.m. on ABC. Wall. Texas plus three and a half. Over under 63 and a half. Texas plus 140. Uh, this one's easy, Woj. Texas plus 140. Texas plus three and a half. Take Texas. I mean, they have that one loss in their schedule, which, yeah, it hurts to the eyes to look at that four and one versus a five and oh Oklahoma. But if you've been watching these teams week in and week out, Texas is the better team and they're getting points in this rivalry game, the Red River rivalry, Woj. Red River Oh, that was, that was good. Yeah, that was I know. Good. I've been practicing all day. Hey, I want to make sure I, I know I, that. I want whoever has kids out there to go to their kids, take a video, and tweet it to us and ask them to say that. I just I just want to hear – I just want to laugh one of these, you know, uh, on Saturday. So so, so, so if you if you got some kids, you got some people around, even yourself, just, just videotape yourself and tweet it at us. That would be hilarious. Great idea. Well, just have them tweet their kids – videos at this gambling podcast. I, I love the way you think. <laughs> you know what? We're not going to get any response to that probably. If we do, great. I love it. Go for it. But you know what's what's really easy in this game? Take Texas. Take Texas. Yeah, well, you know, they've we've talked about Oklahoma a couple times now and how close these games are. They 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 won by six last week again. I mean it's just they're bound to lose one of these, and they're giving up 172 yards per game, 4.7 yards per attempt, and 1.8 touchdowns per game on the ground. Uh, that's not good. If they don't have an answer for Bijan Robinson, your boy over there at Texas, they're going to get destroyed. Uh, Robinson's 9,300 this year, which is a fair price considering in the only the five games he's played, he's only five points behind Matt Carroll, who's 10,000 this week. Okay. He's only five points behind per average against the quarterback. Bijan Robinson is this team. Uh, and and I, I shouldn't say that, that they do have other running backs that run it a lot. But the thing about it is, is Texas has made it very clear that they're going to run this ground game and they're going to run it hard. Uh, you know, Casey Thompson's had a huge game against Texas tech because he passed it. But he only passed it 22 times in that game, or 23 times in that game, and scored five touchdowns. 
23 times is about the average that they pass it all season between him and Hudson card. Uh, rushing is 32 times, and that's not including QB rushes. 32 times per game is the average Texas is running the ball without QB rushes. And both Casey Thompson and Hudson Card have been running the ball. So uh, Robinson, for instance, ran it 35 times against TCU alone last week, getting 6.2 yards per carry. So I just don't see Oklahoma winning this game. I see Texas coming out on top. Uh, and Bijan Robinson just being the beast he is. Oklahoma better have an answer for him, and I don't think they do. Texas all the way, Woj. Easy for me. <laughs> horns, horns, go horns. Longhorns. Welcome all home. right. Speaking of TCU, we got TCU's two and two at Texas Tech, who's four and one, six p.m. in ESPN. Wall. Yeah, I know we're running a little late, Woj, so we won't talk too much about this. But I did want to bring it up for the fact that I think the the wrong team is favored here, Woj. I I really think that TCU. I mean, I shouldn't say they're wrong team is favored. They're just, they're not giving enough points because they are favored. They're minus two, but it's less than one score. You know, three is one score. So I really like TCU in this one. And the reason I said that they're not really favored is because a lot of money, for, a big money comes in on TCU week in, week in and week out. They're a team that for some reason, whatever it is, maybe they're alumni have a lot of money and they just bet bigger, but a lot of money comes in on that TCU team. So I would expect this line to be, you know, at least over three at four or five. So I'm really looking at this one. TCU, number two in the nation on third downs. Their defense not great. I get that. Texas Tech, you know, they got an offense, but they don't have a defense either. Shao got hurt. That transfer from Oregon, which we talked about early in the season in our preview episodes. Columbia's been stepping in. He's been doing well, but I really look to TCU to lock this one down. I just, I really think that two is, you know, that's a good number. And earlier in the week, it was even lower than that. I think it might've been minus one, but TCU is somebody I'll probably be betting this week. And I rarely bet TCU. So I wanted to bring that one up. All right. Yeah. Uh, While well, I struggled last week and you told me I was going to struggle because Hawaii can be little, little crazy at times. They can win some games. They can lose some games. And I lost that Fresno state bet. And I know some other people that lost some money too. You warned me while you warned me, but you won with your Michigan plus two and a half. Well, yeah, who Michigan, are you taking this week? This week is easy for me, Woj. And I didn't, people are wondering why didn't he say who he liked in the Virginia Louisville game? Well, it's because I want to save it for now. Woj. I like Virginia. I like Virginia plus three. I like Virginia on the money line. You know, I, I'm a dog guy. You got to bet the dogs if you want to make money. So I'm taking Virginia plus three in this one. Looking forward to it too. Well, I want to test Oklahoma. I want to test them. I want to test Oklahoma. I want to see if they can actually do it. I want, they got to win a close game. They know the game plan coming into this game. They know what Texas is going to do. Can they stop Bijan Robinson? The answer is no. I'm taking Texas, getting three and a half <laughs> over the Sooners in the rivalry, big time. It's game day. I'm loving Texas in this one. I'm also liking Michigan State over Rutgers, five and a half. And I'm also liking Michigan um, beating Nebraska. I think that one that one's sitting at two and a half again. But I'm, I'm going to take. I'm going to. I'm going to leave that one alone. You told me don't don't pick Michigan because you don't want them to lose. But I'm going to take <laughs> Texas. I think the Longhorns are going to do it. I think Bijan Robinson's the real deal, and I think they got a good setup over there. Sarkeesian's figured it out, and I don't think Oklahoma has a chance. They're, those close games, this one's not going to be close. Texas is going to play you down to the wire, and it's going to be awesome. 
I love it, Woj. I love it. Except for the fact that I told you not to take Michigan because I didn't want them to lose. And then who do you take? My second favorite <laughs> team, Texas. So I don't know why you're – I was really hoping you would take Penn State, Woj, because then we'd have a lock on the win of Iowa. But I I like your pick. It makes sense. Obviously, I'm on Texas, so I'll be cheering there with you, Woj. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can catch us on Twitter at WWCFB. Our Instagram's college underscore football underscore rundown. Our website, which you can get all our podcasts and information and contact me and Kyle on, is collegefootballrundown.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I'm Woj. I'm Walt. And this was the College Football Rundown. We're out. We're out.